0: Afternoon, and welcome to Lads Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes, but has some questions. In short, the program's designed for, well, for someone just like me. There's a lot I don't understand. Not necessarily something soul-shaking, it might just be something that's been on my mind for a while, and, well, I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, a casual front porch sale talk of the pastor's often the best way to understand it. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul Lutheran Church in Akamanawak, Wisconsin. I have my questions. I am sure you have yours. You can send your questions by email at any time to let's talk at KFUO.org. Or you can call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that's area code 314-821-0850 or anywhere in the contiguous 48 states, you could call in toll-free at one eight hundred seven three zero twenty seven twenty seven. 730 2727 Lance, welcome to the front porch. Hey there. Good afternoon. Yeah, yes, except it's dull and overcast, dreary, but hey, we're going into the weekend, right?
1: We have a, uh, we've had a quite nice day today, <laughs> which was fortunate for us because it was grandparents' day here. Oh, it is. So we had piles of grandparents and kids' Doing all kinds of things, helping them. And so lots of tears as kids showed their talents.
0: It's always a great day. That is. Because I think all days are great days. The Lord has blessed us. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm going to ask you today something that's been bugging me really since the beginning of my life. Uh, <laughs> okay. One of those. You, know? <laughs> you bet. All right, let's go. And that is. Why did Jesus always talk in parables? Parables. Why? Why couldn't he just come out and say what he meant? I mean, I get so confused on that. Now, I, I've been doing a little bit of research, sure. and I see it's been addressed in the Book of Matthew in Chapter 13. But I still don't get it. Can you unpack some of this?
1: Well, we'll do the best we can. Um, you know, it seems, it's it's inter- you're, yeah, I love your question it seems that the parables, Jesus is trying to force us by means of these to really think, right? He uses everyday imagery, but it is often hard to grasp. And he's forcing us to think. And and it seems to be driving us toward a, toward a resolution or a, you know, or a decision of, of sorts. Is Jesus who he says he is or not? And, uh, this seems to be—I mean, right? You could, there are lots and lots of lots and lots of parables, uh, depending on the estimate—a um, goodly percentage, a third of his teaching was in parables, or something like that.
0: Close to it, I believe. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So he's—you know—he's driving us toward assessing who he is. Um, it was interesting to receive your question. It had me thinking back to when the Lord was bringing me back into the faith and having to confront who Jesus is.
0: Well, you know, I look, I look at some of this, and 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 one of the answers I think that's well, actually, this is what Jesus said, and it really kind of blows me, blows my mind away. He said the disciples that came, came to him. This is uh, chapter ten in uh, chapter, pardon me, verse ten, chapter thirteen. Said, Why do you speak to them in parables? Golly, where have we heard that question? Right. And he answered, To you it's been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But for the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. Okay, I, even that sounds like a parable to me. I, you know, it, it's not clear.
1: Well, again, they, the parables force us To think about common things in an uncommon way. I mean, Jesus. Jesus teaches by. You know, it's often here teaching us teaches by confrontation. Um. uh, You know, I'm thinking of in this East. I'm thinking of this Easter season. You know, he he just he forces this upon us. The the walk to Emmaus. Now that's not a parable by any stretch of the imagination, Mm -hmm. but it begins with a question. So you know they. You, the, in the story, right in, in Luke twenty-four, the the two men are walking along, and they're looking downcast. And Jesus comes alongside, and they don't recognize that it's Jesus. And and he asks them a question: Why are you looking so downcast? And they and they and they act as if he's some kind of fool. Uh, what are you talking about? Haven't you been in Jerusalem? Don't you know what happened? Right? We thought Jesus was the Messiah. Now he died. Some of the women told us he was raised but that doesn't seem right. And so then Jesus says, oh, how foolish you are, and slow of heart to believe all that the law and the prophets have spoken. And then beginning with that first verse, as they walk along, he opens the scriptures to them. Um, in In you know, he is with those Emmaus disciples confronting in an, at least in an analogous way that he does with parables that he did throughout his ministry. He forces us by means of these, to, to think about things differently.
0: But why didn't he just do what he did with Thomas? Show him the wounds.
1: Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I, I mean, the cop-out answer, I guess, is uh, he's God and he can do as he wishes. Um, but, well, the, you know, the question, the questions force us to really seriously consider things. And and the parables force us to really consider things. I mean, they they begin with often you know they begin with with questions. I'm gonna I'm gonna flip in my Bible here to what you know might be the most famous one is the the parable of the prodigal son. Ah. Um, you know, in the beginning, at the beginning of of chapter 15, you have this tax collectors and sinners were all do, drawing near, and. Jesus is teaching about the grace of God. You know, the parable of the prodigal son, right, where the, the, the one son just totally manipulates his father and wastes his inheritance and uh, is incredibly disrespectful, and his brother, who has always been respectful, uh, he doesn't get a party, but the son doesn't. And what, you know, Jesus seems to be showing there, among other things, is that is the abundant grace of God. Right? That God rejoices over over every sinner who repents that's the end of the previous two parables, just so I tell you God rejoices over one sinner who repents
0: well sort of sort of like the parable of the of the good shepherd who leaves the ninety nine in search for the one
1: right I mean so the i mean the the, the parable the of the prodigal son occurs in a context here right in Luke first you have the parable right of the lost sheep right mm. that's the ninety nine as you just said, and at the end of that Jesus says. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the ninety-nine who who don't think they need to repent. And then the next one is the lost coin. At the end of which Jesus says, "There's joy in the by the angels of God over one sinner who repents." And then then there's the parable of the prodigal son, which is about a big old sinner who repents. You know, uh, my, the way I was taught that, and the way I've come to see that parable over the years, that that parable is really more about the gracious Father. Than it is the
0: prodigal son. Oh, well, I can see that. It's the yeah. I, I definitely can see that. The you know, There's the sinner who repents and the joy in heaven, as Jesus had spoken. Uh, but again, I'm I'm turning back to uh, Matthew 13, and in uh, in this case, in verse 11, I believe it is. Uh, he says, "To you have been given the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given." It's like he's saying, "Okay, you disciples, you get it. These unwashed out here don't." uh that's well, it, you know right that doesn't sound like the jesus i i i know
1: well that the, the par the parables force either because the, you, you can't celebrate the parables you can't separate the parables from jesus himself to consider what he teaches is to consider him he's forcing us to consider am i who i say i am and and that's hard to reconcile. I mean, it's hard to deal with Thomas, who you just mentioned a minute ago. Right? He struggled. I'll never believe until I touch him. Right? Mm-hmm. Jesus says, "Well, Thomas, bless you, you. You know, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are those who have not seen,
0: ah, and yet believe." Okay. Now it's starting to make sense. Now it's starting to make sense a there,
1: bit. I mean. I, I don't want. I don't want. Right, there's mystery here. Jesus is. Jesus is. You know, it, this teaching is is often confrontational. He's forcing us to think. <laughs> it reminds me of an old seminary professor I have, who I didn't get at first, who drove me crazy because his his teaching method was somewhat confrontational. <laughs> um, you know, and anybody, any of the any of the hearers who have experienced uh, David Scare will recognize this, but. You know, I'm a good mis- I'm a good Midwestern boy from Frankenmuth, Michigan. You know, I end up at the seminary with uh, David Scare, who's from the Bronx. You know, and he just he would he would say some absurd thing or something seemingly absurd or uh, insult someone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, at the start of class, you know, and it just kind of it would kind of shock you, and then. And then you'd end up in a in a conversation, and that's you know these parables shock. I mean, think about the, I mean the the parable of the prodigal son, is you know the one the one we looked at. No. Um But how about the how about how about the good Samaritan, right? That shocks. Who is, right? He the, because it begins with the question, who is your neighbor?
0: Oh, that's right. That was the uh, wasn't it? The camel herder had uh, the camel. Yeah, the camel herder had asked that. So,
1: it, you know, go, let I mean, it's yeah. It's, let me flip over there because that's. I think it's Luke ten. Yeah. Um. But that you know that's right. That begins with um. Let's see. parable of good. Yeah. There we go. So yeah, a lawyer stands up to put Jesus to the test. What must I do to inherit eternal life? You know, mm mm-hmm. how do you read it, Jesus says. Love the Lord with all your God, all your heart and soul, and all your strength, and your na- love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, okay, now go do it. <laughs> and so, but then, then, now verse 29 of Luke 10 says, But the man, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho, right? This is, and then it ends up being the Samaritan. I mean, that that would have been to Jesus' Jewish hearers shocking. And they, but they, it would be the the, in this case, in this parable, the conclusion is unavoidable, right? Jesus asked the guy at the end, which of these three, right? The priest who walked aside or whatever, which of these three was the neighbor? And the man said, the one who showed mercy. And that was the Samaritan. Right? And that and, and Jesus said, Okay, now go and do likewise. I mean that would have been a shock to them because Samaritans were heretics and half breeds for Jews. So Jesus is shocking them in into recognizing into recognizing the truth. That's often what these parables seem to do.
0: Well, is he perhaps saying to his disciples, You know me as a person, you've been with me, you know what I am. Uh but then when he talks to the masses, the ones who have not seen him, the ones who have not been with him day by day, maybe that's what he's trying to do. Because you know, if he goes up to these people, and go, yeah, I'm the son of God. This is what works, uh, and they wouldn't believe him. So, well, and- so, so what he's trying to do then is to to bring them to their own conclusion of the truth,
1: without a doubt, right? Uh, they, I mean, ultimately, and ultimately, it's about him, right? The the parables. What is the kingdom of heaven like? Jesus, right? The mm-hmm. kingdom of heaven is in your midst. G- in, to be in Jesus' presence is to be in the kingdom. Ultimately, all this stuff, as Jesus says in a number of places, but all the scriptures are ultimately about him. If we're going to be reconciled and have peace with God, uh, that is through Jesus Christ alone. We have to confront him, and that's, you know, So he's, that's what he's doing when he's teaching us these parables you're going to have to deal with me right and understand the world differently than you thought than you do by nature
0: well I think that's that's actually a very good lesson for us today i mean I, I'm looking at a couple of the parables Parable, uh for example well let's let's bring up the prodigal son sure, where this would be offensive to a modern sensitivity I think or uh it's
1: offensive to them
0: yeah and, and or the uh, one about uh the The vineyard, where he's hiring the workers and pays them all the same exactly, which would be offensive to us in our current milieu, but it makes sense when looked at from the biblical point of view, I think
1: well it even makes sense from ours. You can understand the people's question in that parable you know you you agreed to, you agreed you know he hires people at the early in the day and then and then mid morning and then midday and then at the end of the day and he has an agreement with each one of them that at the end of the day I'll pay you the standard day's wage, wage a denarius right and so at the end at the end of the day the guys who were hired at the end and who barely barely worked uh they get a denarius so the other guys assume that they're going to get paid more and Jesus Jesus says you know this is right it's it's my it's my money. It, it's it's my right to pay it the way, And didn't you agree to work for a Denarius? And now you're grumbling. I mean, you were fortunate to work in the first place, and now you're grumbling. Um,
0: or the idea that that is never too late for redemption.
1: A- absolutely, and you know, and that the reward of heaven is comes to those. You know, this is like the thief on the cross mm. in Luke. Today, you will be you know, with me in paradise.
0: Now there he spoke straight. <laughs>
1: Right? Today you will be with me in paradise. Yeah. But, you know, the parable that you mentioned there is, right, that's that's tough. It was, would have been tough for people 2,000 years ago, and it's tough today. I mean, people, good Christian people who have been baptized in the faith and raised in the faith and, you know, there maybe they had, you know, maybe you've got a, a brother, for example, you know, who said, you know, bag this, I don't want anything to do with this Christianity stuff, and lived an absolutely profligate life, and and then at the end you know, and then the end of it has a has a come to Jesus, repents and dies shortly thereafter, right? And mm-hmm. you know, some people would get, you know, I gave up, I tithed for I tithed for fifty years, I gave up all this stuff, I, I didn't you know, I, I was faithful and all this, and this guy gets to waste all his money and he gets the same reward as I do. How is that fair? Well, why not just be thankful, which is part of Jesus' point there. <laughs>
0: Well, it, it, this, this gets down, I think, to one of the very basic tenets of Lutheranism, and that is the concept of justification by faith. Yeah. Where, you know, there's nothing that we have done ourselves. It doesn't matter if we've lived a good, upstanding moral life our whole, our, for, the, for 70-odd years. It doesn't matter. It's only through faith. That,
1: well, it, it is by grace that we're saved. Now, yeah. that, that to be said, a good, faithful life does matter
0: oh absolutely it does but it won't earn us it won't earn us a place in heaven
1: right so you know there there were those who say i'm just thinking of the beginning of of romans 6 right where paul says um well what should i do that shall i go on sinning so that grace may increase <laughs> um, <laughs> by no means don't you know that all you know that of course god gives grace that's often an excuse for some to misuse it um it's an, it can be an excuse to misuse it and it, and it shouldn't be. Yeah. Right? If you if you're one of those fortunate to be raised to be raised in the faith, then you know, you get to you get to live your whole life in this. And you know, I hope you look back and, and see blessings in that. I mean, you know, Kip, it's hard for me when you we talk about this type of thing, it's hard not to, for me not to think about my dad, right? Oh, yeah. we talked about this before who you know, really, for the most part, just rejected the faith when he left home um, when he was a a teenager. And what he missed, you know, by not participating in this, I mean, he came back to faith late in his life just before he died. And, you know, for that I'm profoundly thankful. Um, But, uh, you know, I, I think my father would look... You know, I, I you know I did that for a while, but my whole adult life has been lived as as a Christian trying to follow Christ, raising a family, uh, in in the faith, and you know my wife and my wife and children have spent their whole lives thus far, you know, in the pew uh, with Dad practicing the faith. Uh, what a blessing that is. For them.
0: Well, well, I think maybe that's part of it. Uh, you know. We're, is to an extent there is indeed an earthly reward uh, when we 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 live the righteous life.
1: Well, there can be. I mean, there there are blessings in it. But you know, Jesus isn't kidding when he says anyone who would be my disciple must take up his cross and follow me. Mm-hmm. You know, or when when Paul is reestablishing you know establishing the churches in his missionary journey, you know, he goes back to the churches and, and tells them that. I think it's Acts 14, if I remember rightly. But it, it is through tribulation that we enter the kingdom of God.
0: Well, I was reading a report today uh, that the uh, the British government has released a uh, a report their Foreign Office on religious persecution worldwide. Oh well. And the finding was horrifying: is that eighty percent of the victims of religious persecution are Christian?
1: Well, that doesn't surprise me.
0: Eighty percent. And they they added up the numbers and all. something like ten percent of all Christians right now are subject to intense persecution, and some places it's even appro- approaching uh, the international definition of genocide.
1: Right. Well, and it fits perfectly with where you started us today on the parables. Ah. Right? When you when you encounter Jesus, right? if, if Jesus is who he says he is, you know, if he is indeed God in the flesh and raised from and raised from the dead then then we know that we are we are accountable to him right we it, it, we know that he's god and we're not and by nature we all want to be our own gods and so we either run away from jesus or we re, or we re directly rebel against him you know or we submit in faith as it were
0: i i think everyone at one point or another is going to rebel against god you know, it's part of the old Adam.
1: Without a doubt.
0: And it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that I managed to come back before I died. Sure.
1: <laughs> but, well, yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm reminded of, and I've to- I think I've told you this story before, but, you know, I mean, we weren't, I grew up in a Lutheran missionary colony town in Michigan, Frankenmuth, yeah. um, but we were really, a, we weren't a practicing Christian family. And so when I was a fourth grader in uh, Mrs. Fraser's class, uh, I, I learned some bad words, and I decided that year I was just going to be a jerk. <laughs> this is the public middle school in Frankenmuth, and me and a couple other kids, and I came back with a, a pretty wretched report card. And my father's, you know, so in Frankenmuth, where I grew up, half the kids went to St. Lawrence Lutheran School through grade school, or you went to the public school, right? And I'm, of course, at the public school. I come back with this wretched report card. And my father says to me, "Uh, Lance, if you don't straighten up, I'm going to send you to Lutheran school. (laughs) (laughs) Right? (laughs) And honestly, I went from D's to A's in two weeks because I knew the Lutheran kids had to memorize the scriptures. And I was afraid of that because I knew what it meant. Or at least I had a sense. For what it meant
0: you're afraid of scripture interesting
1: absolutely right you you have to uh, you got to memorize the I mean I you right <laughs> I would have had to contend with Jesus and this, right my heart was hardened it just right it was like uh, like many of the hearers the hearers of Jesus parables I didn't want it I didn't want to deal with Jesus and you know the Lord made it ultimately as <laughs> as he did with you uh, impossible to avoid him um,
0: could it be um, I'm speculating a little bit here, Lance, and I'm probably way the heck off base uh but I'm thinking your problem, your fear of learning scripture, yeah, f- could it have been uh satanic in nature
1: well with at least partly for sure, right I mean the devil doesn't want us to know jesus <laughs> i mean i had right I had a little bit of i had a little bit of knowledge. Uh, but not much. So
0: and he didn't want you to have any more.
1: Right. Yeah, without 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 a doubt. But I mean, I I remember my response. Uh I I'll never forget that. You know, it just it makes me laugh cuz here I am. I'm the pastor of a of a of a good medium to large sized church with a with a very healthy Lutheran school and I absolutely love it and think it's one of the greatest things in the world. <laughs> Uh, and it is, right? But uh, I started with, I, I used to be the guy who ran away from the Lutheran school because I didn't want anything to do with the Bible. Hmm. <laughs> I told you I stole my first Bible, right?
0: Yeah, right. Yeah. I went to, um, actually, I did go to religious school for, I think it was fifth and sixth grade. And the rest of it was all public. Uh, but I do remember that we had to mem- memorize the uh, you know Apostles' Creed and, and various scriptures and Bible verse. and. Sure. Um, I didn't actually. I was more afraid of public school. You want know, the truth? <laughs> but
1: I, you know, I'm I'm really glad you asked the question about the parables because, um, I it, it's a it's a common saying, at least I find a common saying that you know Jesus always taught in such a way to make things easy to understand. Uh, that's just not true.
0: No, it's not.
1: <laughs> It's just not true, Jesus said very challenging things that force that force us to think deeply about ourselves and about the nature of god and uh it, it is not true you know that it's it's I've got to make things more simple for people. you know the best preachers always make things more simple. I don't think that's necessarily true
0: It's the one who makes you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and think to yourself that's what it meant,
1: yes. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, that, and that's it's part of the. So for for your for our hearers out there, um, have some patience with your pastors because not you know you'll on any given Sunday you'll have people in the pews who are you know and they may have been there for years but they're really they haven't really thought deeply about this stuff. You'll have others who are really digging deep into this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, your your pastors got to try and both reach the people. Who are still on spiritual milk and still in people who are hung, hungering for the the deepest or the finest theological meat uh, that's a you know, that's tough to do
0: well we got to talk about here uh, for example how it is how would parables fit in with sermons and with preaching but we got to take a little break during it just when things get interesting sure. but I have to do this we'll be back in about two minutes
1: Mr. Ken Bomberger, join me weekday mornings at 715 for Orazio, your time of
0: scripture, meditation, and music on KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. The Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org slash careers. Hi, this is Pastor Mark Azill, the LCMS Director of Campus Ministry and the Chancellor of LCMSU, inviting you to join us right here on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. in the Student Union. If you can't make it, Student Union is always available as a podcast at KFUO.org. Learn more about LCMSU at LCMSU.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus. We'll help. Wednesday afternoon at 2 on KFUO.
1: Listening to KFUO on your smartphone is so easy to do. Smartphone assistant, play KFUO.
0: Playing KFUO radio.
1: You can also visit the place where you get your apps and download the KFUO app.
0: You can also go to the KFUO homepage. Wow,
1: the KFUO homepage is customized to fit your phone with an easy-to-find listening button.
0: When you're on the webpage, you can browse for more information. You can listen to KFUO 24 hours a day at KFUO.org. Don't forget about Facebook, Facebook.com slash KFUO radio.
1: Now you're just acting like a all. Today is Good Friday, when the crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth is solemnly commemorated by Christians around the world. The Gospels describe Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. In the events in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus was betrayed with a kiss near the Garden of Gethsemane. Before the cock crows, Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. In quick succession, Jesus stands before a council of elders, then the Judean government of Pilate and King Herod. The crowd demands Pilate crucify Jesus. He is handed over to soldiers who enlist Simon of Cyrene to help carry the cross. Jesus is crucified between two criminals. He is mocked and taunted. The sky goes dark and Jesus calls out, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit engage with the bible and its impact over the centuries brought to you by museum of the bible in washington dc
0: welcome back to let's talk the pastor is in today's guest pastor who's joining me on the front porch is pastor lance o'donnell of st paul's lutheran church in okonomonowoc wisconsin we are discussing why it was that Jesus spoke in parables instead of just saying what he had meant. You know, just trying to spell it out for us, and we were, were hashing through that. And I think Lance has made some very good points uh, on it. the thing. Is, is that he Jesus is trying to get us to think through things. You know, if if people don't know who Jesus is, if they haven't met him face to face, this is one way how they can truly know him. You know, because you and I, you know, we we've, we've never seen him face to face. Right. So this will be it this is it's, it's for us as well as for the uh, the people when he was when he was preaching at the uh, at the sermon on the mount uh the thing i'm curious about now is you 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 raised the issue just before the break about the differences with people who will be in your congregation and you know some of them will have been there you know, many, many years, some will just be coming in for the first time. They may be wondering about what is this church about? What is Lutheranism? Uh how does how do how does parable work in in preaching?
1: <laughs> That's great. I would hope the same way that Jesus did. Um I mean the right the, the parable challenges, right? The, the parable presents Jesus in his teaching. The parable the parable challenges. And so in you know good preaching should challenge us and you know and challenge us fundamentally with with jesus and with, with law and, and gospel and force us to consider some things about ourselves and and about God, so
0: well, do you bring this concept up in your sermon sometimes? What do you mean uh talking about you know why things aren't quite as clear as we'd like them to be in the bible
1: you know now that you've raised the question to me i I really probably i really should because um i think people tend to think that jesus and this is again we talked about this before the break Mm -hmm. everything has to be simple and easily accessible and uh that's not often the way that Jesus was, right? He, you know, he he said, you know, come and follow me, right? This is this is not going to be easy, and you know, as a one of the, you know, I'm I'm an Apple device guy. One of the things that was marvelous, I remember when the iPad first came out in the school uh, where I was where I was serving in Chicago, St. Philip. They were early adopters of the iPad in the uh. school. And I remember taking an iPad on a shut-in visit to some old lady in her 80s, and it was it was easily she figured it out right away. Uh, it was it's one of the genius the geniuses at least of the of the app structure and stuff that Apple did. It was just it was really easy to enter into. I, I marveled watching this woman who'd never seen a device like this in fairly short order. Uh, playing a computer game and with and giggling like a little girl.
0: Uh, you know, It's funny you mention that. Um, I, I I mentioned to you off mic uh, during the break that my wife had just had hip surgery. And we live in a two-story house, and the bedroom's up on the second floor. So she's been stuck up there. The TV is downstairs. <laughs> but she has an iPad. There you go. so she's been catching up on all the netflix and all of her news programs and everything on that i don't even want to think what it would be like to live with her if she didn't have it
1: right so i mean my point my point in that is these devices the best devices make things very accessible and easy on the on the other hand life is not easy no and um we the part of the challenge of of preaching, even being a member of the church or coming to the church, part of the challenge is you know you want to make it accessible and yet uh following Christ is not easy. There is all kinds of nuance, right? Love, uh, you know the the life of the life of love, uh what is loving might might be different for one person than for another. Um the loving thing to do, right? It, it can be very challenging.
0: It can be. Um, yeah, I think one of the biggest gripes I have in modern education is the, this idea that uh, education needs to be fun. <laughs> uh, no, no, life isn't fun. Life is challenging. And you have to learn how to deal with it, how to cope with it, and to overcome obstacles. You're going to have them all the time.
1: Have you read the book, Angela Duckworth's book, uh, Grit?
0: No, I have not. I've heard about it though. Yeah.
1: great book. I think she did a TED talk. I think on it, um, which is worth which is worth seeing. Uh, Grit is worth reading for your readers out there. Um,
0: well, let them know what it's about. Uh, a lot of our listeners may not be familiar with it. Yeah,
1: the, the it's about the. She did a number of studies. It's been a couple of years since I've read it, but the a key factor in success is being willing to stick with something, especially when it's hard if uh if i recall rightly she was working with uh one of the military academies and their admissions folks and cuz they have some attrition trouble you know people who get to the academy and then and then can't make it right and and the government invests very heavily in these folks it's expensive to put one put someone through the military academy so mm-hmm. the the admissions folks were working with uh Dr. Duckworth about how do you how do we do a better job of selecting so that we have people who are going to make it and what she discovered is one of the absolute key factors was what she came to call grit um, and i forget how she defines it but it's essentially you know, people who stick with something even when
0: it's hard i stumbled across a, a saying of winston churchill's the other day uh... he was talking about how how do you succeed and he said it's. uh... It's the ability, it's what it is is the ability to go from failure to failure without losing enthusiasm.
1: <laughs> there, well, that's a great that's a great comment. I'm there's an uh I forget where one of my favorite Winston Churchill um speech. I'm, I think it was to his his high school uh his boarding school graduating class some years later. You know, this speech where Churchill goes to the mic and they're expecting some great long oration, and he—he—you he, he, know—he his jowls quiver, and he says, "Never, ever, ever give in,"
0: <laughs>
1: and sits down.
0: <laughs> I've heard that story. That's wonderful. Um,
1: I, I think I read that first in yeah. William Manchester's biography. Yeah. Uh, Manchester had a great—I think three-volume biography of yeah. Churchill, but you know that's—and that's. And that's I, I would argue, Kip, when you come to a church, um, ex- don't expect everything to be simple. Right? Life is not simple, so give yourself some time and try, you know, and get it. Um, you know, for for some people, the liturgical life is if you've never experienced it, or if I think it's more difficult for people who come from evangelicalism, where you where you walk in, you have a couple songs, and then a prayer. The preacher preaches for a half hour, and then another song, and you're gone. Um, Lutheran liturgy, historic Christian worship, is more challenging. It's right you have to you have to get the the feel of it. It takes oh takes a while to get used to. Once you do, it's incredibly rich, um, but it's it's not e- it's not necessarily easy to walk into, especially if you're used to something else.
0: No, it's not. Uh... And this is one of the uh, the complaints, I guess, I would have against uh, churches that use uh, the modern service. Uh, I, my church out in California, when I was living there, was very much into uh, the modern the modern service, and you know, although the although the preaching and everything was it was straight Lutheran theology, I just could not get into the music i could not get into this standing up and sharing kindness thing. this that's not lutheranism to me
1: <laughs> well again part of it right in all the contexts are different right i'm not you know we we do have some freedom confessional freedom and i you know i don't want to denigrate that uh the use of that freedom nece- necessarily but the the challenge parishes have is how do we, you know, how are we both accessible but also faithful? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you know, how do we how do we welcome people, but also challenge people? Because you know, you, you can come as you are to a church, but if the church is really being the church, you ought not leave as you are.
0: That's right. And the 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 thing again that Lutherans have that a lot of others don't. Is we know that we are sinful. We, you know, we don't go to church to feel good. You know, you know what I mean. I, I don't want to go into a church and be told, "Yeah, you're the wonderful person. You're the child of God. You are saved." This isn't what I want. This isn't well, what I. More importantly, it's not what I need. Well, that's the better question. And a lot of people don't know
1: what they need. I mean, sometimes you don't know what you don't know.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: um, and so this is part of what part of the challenge that. That that churches face, that pastors that pastors face, is how do you how do you engage people, um, and 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 yet then also right also challenge them because again as I just said right you you can be a come as you are church, but if if you're not a you can come as you are but you ought not leave church as you were
0: yeah. Um, well, that's one of the things I like so much about my current congregation, is we're, it, we're straight liturgical. I mean, just it, it, it's about as conservative as you can get. I, that may be the wrong word, but I mean, it's about as traditional as you can get in terms of Lutheran worship, for which I am deeply thankful.
1: Right. And, and again, part of what we have to recognize is that's not necessarily easy to walk into. No, and and thus, uh, for for me, if you're right, because there's so much there's so much richness to be found in in the historic in the historic service, and it, it can be so helpful to people and and so in grounding people. On the other on the other hand, if if the congregation is not hospitable, right? It, so, if if you're not familiar with this and you attend a liturgical congregation and find yourself in the middle of a pew and you don't know your way around this stuff and nobody helps you, Mm -hmm. well, shame on us.
0: That is true. That
1: is very true. Shame shame on us. I mean, you know, it'd be like inviting someone to your house and, and just ignoring them, right? And when someone comes to your house, you say, welcome, you take their coat, you hang it up, you say, you know, here are the the, fr- the fridge is over here, the food's over here, the bathroom's over here. I mean, isn't that, isn't that kind of what you do? And yet so often, you know, this is not just the usher's job in the church. It's it's your job. And whoever's sitting there, if someone comes to you and you don't know them, um, you should be hospitable. And if you're not, um, you're not being helpful. And I would argue, you're being unfaithful.
0: I'd go along with that. Uh, you know, we're these people are, they're, they're co-religionists. They literally are brothers and sisters. Um, I remember when I was in grad school, excuse me, uh, we had uh, one of the uh, other students there in my class. He was from uh, Ghana. And uh, interestingly enough, the guy was Lutheran. Sure. And I remember uh, getting in one of the typical college all sessions that we were doing up there and saying that, you know, Paul and I, I forgot, I could never pronounce his real name, so we call him Paul. (laughs) But I mentioned that in in a very real sense, he and I were soul brothers in that we shared an identical view of our role in the universe and and an identical view of our relationship with God. Something that I did not share with any of the other students. You know, despite the fact we're from different countries and different races, we were united by that, that by that wonderful faith
1: that is a that is a marvelous thing isn't it it is when you encounter people like you know that are of sa- of the same faith from but from other places it it reminds us that um i think the at least in our the three year series Reve- the reading of the epistles from revelation that uh he comes from every tribe salvation is for every tribe and tongue and people and nation
0: well you know here at the um, at the ic at the international center we actually have an official photojournalist a gentleman by the name of uh, eric lunsford and a very eric, talented man uh, extraordinarily talented extraordinarily and a really nice guy to boot uh... but eric has has said exactly what you were just pointing out is that to him one of the greatest joys is when he goes to visit a small congregation, whether it's in Madagascar, whether it's in Kenya, whether it's in Germany, there is this this link that they can worship together at the same time, they have the same liturgy, they know the same God. And he, he said he is so overjoyed by that.
1: Well, good. <laughs> it is, it, right? It is. It, it, it is a joyful thing. He has. A, that's a. That would be a special job.
0: Yeah, it is. I mean, he, uh, he's actually had to get uh, uh, his passport uh, changed because he had so many visa stamps. He needed a bigger one. <laughs>
1: yeah. What a. Um, yeah. He, I have a picture that he took of my daughter when my daughter was uh, doing her gap year in huh. the Dominican Republic, and she was teaching preschoolers uh, down there of a great Eric Lunsford. But what a what a privilege it is. It's you know there's an there's an advertisement for uh, for our listeners for participating in uh, service and mission trips as you have opportunity to or getting involved in in organizations that go beyond your own church for example like uh, Lutheran Women's Missionary League or something like that Um, because you meet you meet people from other parishes and you find out you know we have our differences but. My goodness we have a lot in common especially when you get involved in the national and international level that's a joy
0: it really is it really is I mean I, I see a lot of missionaries and a lot of foreign visitors here at the IC and it's 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 a wonderfully comforting thing to know that we have this this bond yeah
1: one Lord one faith hmm one baptism one God and Father of all right
0: it is. It's, it's. It really is a tremendous. Uh, it's, I'm going to use the word blessing.
1: It is a blessing, and and along the lines of our conversation,
0: challenging,
1: right? When you know we 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 tend, you know, we're North Americans. We tend to see things through the lens of our culture, mm-hmm. um, you know, and often in ways that we don't recognize until you encounter someone who grew up elsewhere.
0: That's true. We've had, um, for example, we've had a number of Brazilian students come through here uh, trying to learn how to how to do religious radio down in uh, Brazil. Sure. And interacting with them was intriguing. Uh, I remember one time we had uh, some students came in from the Czech Republic. And I remember one of them saying to me, but everything's so big here. Your roads are big. Your buildings are big. Your houses are big. Your bills are big. I've never seen anything like that. And you know, just didn't even think about that. Sure, but again, we were all Lutherans. What, so, what did you?
1: What did you learn? I'm curious from the, the Czech. What did you learn from them and the Brazilians? How were you? How were you challenged?
0: Well, we were challenged uh, partially with language. Sure. Excuse me. Partially was language, uh, but again, the cultural difference. I know this especially with the Brazilians. Uh, they tended to to congregate together. They tended to stay together, which is understandable. Um, the the Czechs seemed to be more open to uh, to s- seeing what was going on and sampling the aspects of American life. Uh, and it's, you know, again, it's, it's, it's the cultural thing. I've, maybe South Americans tend to be a little bit more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a little bit more traditionalist in their, in their surroundings. The Czechs were a little bit more adventurous.
1: Yeah, I don't know whether—I wouldn't know whether that would be true, generally speaking, or not. But no. it is right no. to go—to go, to circle back to where we began, because there is something to be, to be learned here in, you know, in my view of things. You asked about parables, right? Why did Jesus mm-hmm. speak in parables? And basically, I think what we've said is one of the main purposes is he challenges us. And, you know, he challenges us to think to to see the world uh, differently, and through and through his eyes, he challenges us above all. You know, like he challenged the disciples, uh, "Who do you say that I am?" And that's in many respects what these parables do. These parables do the Christian life is in many many respects about challenge. Um, we should be willing, you know, to allow ourselves to be challenged, because in that. Uh, we grow in
0: our faith yeah you're right on that and and again it's you know life itself is challenging and this is this is one of the lessons we learned from the bible uh you know it's not flowers and 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 rainbows but there is a a a reward at the end there is a goal to follow there is a, a a revelation if you will you know that that this is what we are meant to do this is how what we are meant to to see and it's
1: and there is right and on this right and when we talk about challenge we mean often dealing with difficulty yeah trial suffering right there's what the luther phrase you know Mm -hmm. meditation prayer testing Yeah. make a theologian um one of the glory of the glory of one of the glories of Christianity, though, is is that there there is a telos to this. There's an end to it, um, where there is only there is only joy. You know, we're right, it's one of the joys of Christianity as opposed to say Hinduism. We are not in an endless cycle of life and death. You know, Christ has promised His resurrection is a promise that there will be a new heavens and a new earth uh... where where there is perfection and joy and we are on a march toward that eventually there but there is you know for the time being our life is trial you know and we shouldn't shirk that but there is an end to it it, it isn't it isn't endless there's hope uh, at the end of it
0: you know when, when i was studying russian uh... i came across a word that doesn't fully translate into english Truth, and it basically means to strive through adversity. What's the word? Prud. Prud.
1: How would you transliterate it in English? Uh, PRUD.
0: Yeah, TRUD. Oh, with a T. Yeah, T, prud. And as I said, it, it it means essentially to to uh to strive through difficulty, to to advance through difficulty. Uh, I guess it's close to the word struggle, but I'm not it didn't quite translate that way. And that I, I think is is very much of a Christian message. Absolutely. Is that interesting how God manages to drop those little gems into all these different cultures? <laughs>
1: That's a so how do how do you pronounce it again?
0: Trud. Man, uh, yeah, I
1: couldn't. But it's, yeah. it it, it transliterates as T R U D T
0: R U D T R U D Truth. Okay.
1: I have through difficulty. Yeah.
0: Yeah, to, uh, and
1: and well, I you know, and and the Christian in hope is right. Strive, I would, I would perhaps argue, is striving through difficulty um, toward the joy of Christ. Yeah.
0: And and you know, that that's, that is the life of the Christian. Is uh, we are we're striving through the difficulties of life to the final reward.
1: And and that's right. And again, back to the beginning. That's what the parables of Jesus do. You know, they, they they challenge us. He challenge, he challenges us to follow him um, through the through the difficulties of life uh, toward the the joy of the joy of the life to come. I mean, it, it makes me think of the the passage in Hebrews, right? That Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him, right? That that joy is is the reconciliation of the world, the forgiveness, the the reclaiming of of the creation. Um, as what the second Corinthians 5 right in Christ God was reconciling the whole cosmos to himself
0: he was and he still is it's it's an ongoing process Lance we're running low on time here Uh, got about a minute left maybe a bit longer any final thoughts
1: I'm really appreciative of the question uh, because it gives it gave us the opportunity to talk right Jesus parables are challenging and so don't let that be a stum- stumbling block to you. Expect challenges. So if you hear a parable and you struggle with it, you know, dig, right? This is what Jesus wants, you know, and, and that's an analogy for the Christian life. You know, it, it's not easy, but, uh, but in, in the struggle you find Christ and your faith is deepened and, and you will find joy in the midst of it.
0: You're right. And it's, um, it is an ongoing struggle, but it's one that has a reward that is far beyond our, our imagination to comprehend. And that's one of the beauties, I think, of Christianity. And that's one of the beauties of Lutheranism is that we understand what our role is, that we are indeed sinners and yet we have been saved. All we have to do is to ask for it and to repent and to try to live the way that, that we're supposed to live. That won't earn us heaven. But
1: God, has chosen us. God has chosen us in Christ. He has done the work of, he has paid the price for our sins. He has risen from the dead. And through faith in him and through faith alone is that, is that gift received.
0: And as he said on the cross, it is finished. It
1: is finished.
0: Well, Lance, I want to thank you for joining me on the program today. Uh, Our guest pastor has been Lance O'Donnell of St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Akamonawak, Wisconsin. You've been listening to Let's Talk, The Pastor Is In.
1: You've been listening to The Pastor Is In